I'm, anybody in here feeling a little itchy? Anybody? I, I'm feeling a little bit weird. Something's bugging me. Anybody getting feeling bugged here? Well, that's terrible, isn't it? Those of you who've been at CYC the whole weekend, aren't you, why in the world did you time it to where you get back to hear another one? Whose planning is this? This is pathetic. You should, you've done your time. Go home. Go home. You've been here for hours all weekend, right? But just go on. No, no, I'm glad you're here. I, I also noticed something else. Here's what's, this is something. I'm, I'm seeing James Peachy here. I'm seeing Ina Brown here. And I'm thinking, Melissa and I were the only two from here at the, the village doing the service this afternoon. Now, I don't say that to say, shame on you for not being here. I'm saying they went through a worship service where I led singing. And they still came tonight, and I said, why are you here tonight? We wanted to hear a real song. That's what they said. Well, I was the high priest of St. Bernard's Village today. I felt like I should have incense. We had the lights this morning. Let's just have some incense. But it was a great service. Enjoyed being there, and I haven't led singing in 100 years, and it probably needs to be that long again before the next time. We're in Ephesians chapter, Ephesians, Exodus chapter 5, although we're going to be roaming everywhere, so just Put your Bible down and trust me, okay, and, and, look at the, and look at the screen. Don't forget next Sunday, special Sunday, have a Saturday night. The youth is going to meet. The youth are going to meet with the chorus at Freed Hardeman. I don't know where that will be. You'll, you'll, you'll find that out Wednesday night. Don't forget also Wednesday night, men in here, ladies in the, in the fellowship room, and we're going to see what our kids are doing for lads to leaders. That is a big deal, and so you need to see that, and let's just really lift these young people up just before they go to the convention and dazzle the people of our area with their ability and, and their willingness to lead. And then next Sunday, don't come back in the evening because your evening is off. We're going to be here till the potluck and then right after for our services. We're going to be spending a few weeks on, on the plagues because the plagues are so central and so important and so interesting for us. We're going to look at them from different angles. But our first treatment is just going to talk about what the plagues were for. And this is a short one. I, knew, I know you guys at CYC are tired, so we're going to keep this short, okay? What was the purpose of these ten plagues? You know what they were. But why in the world did God do that? God could have easily taken care of this in a split second worked with a stubborn group of people, a stubborn man. He could have easily taken him out in any amount of time flat. He says himself, Exodus chapter 9, verse 15, For by now I could have put out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence, and you would have been wiped out from the face of the earth. But he plays with them. He plays with them like a little kid plays with an anthill. And he gives them plague after plague after plague. He's just stretching this thing out. Why does God do this? And I'll tell you the answer. To give us a good VBS. That's exactly, and you think I'm lying, but I'm going to prove it here in just a little bit. God wants to give us this great story to believe in, but God easily could have done it. We know this. He could have easily taken care of this like a wrestling match in no time flat. So what's he doing this for? I feel like when somebody talks about this great worry they have about the battle of Armageddon, like in Revelation, the enemies of God line up against God, and everybody's, well, I'm so afraid of that battle. There is no battle. That's not a battle. Anybody who lines up against God is committing suicide. There ain't no battle. You can't fight God unless, of course, he wants to let you play around with a while. He can obliterate people like this. So what is the point of all these plagues? Why does he do this? 
Many of you can still name. Those of you who went to CRA, I know you can. Can anybody name all ten in a row? Just like this. How many can do this? How many can still, you can still, how many, you could sing a song. I never really cared about whether I knew them or not. But I think it's interesting that some people really go to that extent. What I want to describe for you is God is like a teacher and he's laying out his lesson plans. Those of you who know about teaching, the teachers have to have lesson plans that say, here are my objectives, here's how I'm going to accomplish it in this day, in this day, in this day. God, throughout the plagues, tells us what these plagues are for. He tells us why he does it this way. Even before they start, in, Mo in Exodus chapter 3, verse 19, before God sends Moses, he says, but I know the king of Egypt will not let my people go unless he's compelled I know, before I even send you, let me tell you, Moses, before I send you and before you ever say a word to him, I want you to know this is not going to be easy and quick. He's not going to be compelled easily, so I am going to have to, I'm going to have to wrestle him a little bit. I don't want to kill him. I want to convince him. And I'm going to compel him. So God knows, first of all, what he says to us is the plagues were to compel him. He doesn't want to destroy Egypt. He doesn't want to. He just simply wants to change this guy's mind. He wants Egypt to survive and learn something along the way. God reveals the lesson plans, and here it goes. You ready? What is it that this compulsion is for? First of all, that they will know that the Lord is God, not Pharaoh and his gods. Who is in charge of this planet? Pharaoh actually thinks he is. And his people, at least some of them, think he is as well. How in the world can God let, or God, let him live and yet change his stubborn mind? The plagues, slowly, one dramatic moment at a time, an event at a time. In fact, the explanations say that this is not for just Egypt to know, it's for Pharaoh to know who's in charge. It takes, ladies, you can say amen if you want to, that's a cue. It takes time to change the mind of a hard-headed man. Mm -hmm. It takes time to change a man who thinks he's right about everything. How do you convince him he's wrong? Well, God does convince him, but it takes ten plagues of affliction and even then he changes his mind you're going to know who's boss and it ain't you that's what the plagues are for they will know chapter 9 verse 29 that the earth is the lord's the kingdom of god takes in every nation on the face of the planet egypt included that's why it's said in eight, chapter 8, verse 22, the Lord of the Israelites is the Lord in this land, they say. That's a weird belief, but here's the idea, is that every nation had their God, and he's in charge in this nation, but as soon as you cross the border to the next one, their God's in charge of that nation, and you cross the border into another one, and that's John. So God takes reign in these certain areas, and he doesn't go outside of those. And God's saying, that ain't true. I'm the God of every nation. Every inch of real estate is mine. Pharaoh, I want you to know this. I don't stop at the border of Canaan. I come into Egypt and your land is mine. We sing the song, this land is my land, this land is your... No, 
This, God is God, this land is God's land. He's the one who owns all this. Now, this is interesting. I want you to think about when Joseph was tempted by Pharaoh's, uh, Potiphar's wife. She comes after him, and I can't do this to my God, but I can hear Potiphar's wife saying, well, Joseph, I understand that your God wouldn't approve of this, but your God has no jurisdiction here in Egypt. Your God is 30 miles to the east. He can't see this far over. And with the plagues, God is saying, oh yeah, not only can I see that far over, I'm in charge where you are. Pharaoh, this is an illusion. And by the way, we fall prey to this too. God's in charge when we're at church. But when I'm at my house on Wednesday or Thursday or Friday or when I'm in my car or when I'm at my work, it, he doesn't apply there. I can't, you can't lie in a church building, but you can lie anywhere else. No, you can't. Because God's everywhere. He's in charge everywhere you go. I am so sick of hearing about school prayer. We took God out of schools years ago. God hasn't left anywhere. He's in charge at school too today. And it doesn't matter whether we officially acknowledge Him or not. Our God is sovereign over everything. Is that true? It is true. He's at your school. He's in your bedroom. He's on your computer. He's everywhere you go. Our God's in charge everywhere, and that's a lesson. Part of the lesson plans is the earth is the Lord's. They will know also that there's no one like him. There's no other power anywhere in the universe that compares to God. It's one thing for them to have a battle and lose every once in a while to a certain king over here. You know even on your best day, you're, there are certain days another king might overtake you. But here's the truth. They are messing with Egypt at this point with Israel in their midst is messing with the head honcho, the king of kings and the lord of lords. They're messing with the big guy. Their magicians can copy two or three of them, but then God leaves them in the dust because they're messing with the God over all. There is no one like our God. There is no one like our God. Right? That's the truth. And there's one other lesson for Egypt I think we're supposed to get. They're being punished for what they've done to God's people. He calls it this in chapter 7, verse 4, chapter 6, verse 6. These plagues are called acts of judgment. And when he announces the plagues, he says, if you won't let my people go, then this is going to happen. He's saying, this is punishment. This is punishment for mistreating my people. I not only am sovereign, but I am watching everything you do, and I hold everybody accountable for how they treat people. Even if you don't name the name of Jesus from your lips, you will be judged for how you treat people. I don't care what religion you pretend to wear. We're accountable to him. This is God's lesson plans for Egypt. This is why he brought on the plagues. I'm going to show you who's boss and who's in control of your territory. You are a puppet, Pharaoh. God is the sovereign. Powerful demonstration for Egypt of just who is in charge. And while he could just tell you that, he's wanting to convince you of this. But you see, God has other lesson plans. It's not just for the Egyptians. There are other pupils in this class watching the lesson that he's giving. And God has lesson plans for his own people as well. It's also for Israel. 
It's instructions for his own people. Why? Because all their knowledge and all their teaching is 400 years old and God's done nothing lately. They teach about Abraham in their Bible classes. They teach about Isaac and Jacob. But everything they teach is 400 years old. That's old. This God, however, is not old. This God has, has not, has, he's been silent for a while, but they need some updated data. They need to hit the refresh button. As they go through the picture album of their God and what he's done, it's all black and white photos. I was on Facebook this week, and there was a photo popped up of Second and Walnut, all the uh, Church of Christ and Paragould, and all their members were out there uh, on the church building. Right on the, on the steps. It's an old photo, and I, I got a hold of Becky uh, Mohall, and I said, hey, there's this old picture. Are you in it? I said, never mind, it's color. <laughs> it's a color photo, and it's been years since she's been there, so she was, I don't think she was in there. But if all the pictures and all the things and all the memories and all the teachings that God has done are 400 years old, and you don't have anything more recent than that, something needs to be added to your album. God says this is just as much for my people as it is for the Egyptians. I want you to listen to this, and this is where I prove my case here. The Lord said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants, that I may show these signs of mine among them, that you may tell in the hearing of your son and your grandson how I've dealt harshly with the Egyptians and what signs I've done among them that you may know I'm the Lord. I am stretching this out so that you will have an amazing story to tell your children. I don't want my Bible to be boring. I don't want this to be a philosophy book. You ever read the Koran, the most boring book in the history of the planet? It's all philosophical. It steals the good Bible stories from the Bible and then tries to add a little philosophical flair to it. It is so boring. Our story is not. Great stories you can tell your kids. Not false, not myths, not fairy tales. They're true historical accounts of what God's done in history. And some of the greatest, aren't they? Some of the greatest are the plagues. What amazing. I kicked the tail of the world power and he went ar, 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 into the future, you know, and into the. And, and, and you can tell your kids this. What he's saying is, I'm giving you good BBS material. That's what he's saying. When you read the book about what God's done, I don't want it to be a real sleeper. I want to give you stories. Stories that instill and elicit confidence in you. That cause you to be inspired and to trust in your God. And when you face something difficult that's giant in your life, you remember David and Goliath, and you remember it's a true story. It's not just something we're telling our kids. And you live it, and you trust it, and you face it with that same kind of faith. I want you to have those stories. I want my own people to learn to trust me because you see God says I'm going to reveal you as I am I'm not the God of I was I'm not the God of all those years ago in Genesis and I've done nothing lately I'm the God of always present always adding new stuff to your experience the 
But even this is too small a target. God has lesson plans for Egypt. God has lesson plans for Israel. And God has lesson plans for the entire globe. The plagues brought Egypt to its knees. Showed them who the big B boss is. The plagues were tales for the Israelites to tell their kids for generations to come. But it was even more than that. Exodus chapter 9 verse 16. But I have raised you up for this very purpose that I might show you my power that my name might be proclaimed where? Say it. In all the earth. I want the world to know me. And by the way, it worked, didn't it? Forty years from now, not from now, forty years from this moment that we're reading about, as they're about to take the promised land, a couple of spies go and hide with Rahab, and Rahab protects them. And they want to know, why in the world did you protect us? And she says, you know what? I know what your God did in Egypt. Every man in my land knows what God did in Egypt 40 years ago. The world knows the God of Israel as the God who raised an outstretched arm of power and brought his people through Egyptian slavery into a land of freedom, and they're terrified of them. The world heard about God because of these moments. <laughs> you reckon these plagues really happened, or do you think these people today who are saying, you know, there's no evidence that really took place? Do you think they're just mythical example stories of what God maybe could do? Think they really happened? They really happened. And the purpose was so that we will always trust in that God and know that He can do anything for His purpose. Scripture is still our account of God's dealing with people and the purpose of the plagues is still the same. We believe they happened on the soil of earth. And we believe what they mean is that God can be trusted. That He issues promises and He keeps them. And there might be delay between the time when He speaks them and the time when He fulfills them. But that delay is not because He's not able to bring them about. It's because He's a patient God waiting for people to respond to Him. God did these amazing things years ago. But He's not been dormant or defeated by another force, that same God has continued to act in, in impressive ways, none of them more impressive than what we gathered around to celebrate this morning, these tables. He's not really the God of the plagues to me. He's the God of the cross to me. Not... Not as obviously as that outstretched arm where he showed Pharaoh who's boss. It's the outstretched hands that say, I'm a servant. Reveals something about God. But even since then, that's not all. God's still working. Is he still working in your life? Do you see him? You give him the credit. You give him the thanks that a spirit-inspired, spirit-filled believer is supposed to give him. He's still working, church, isn't he? Don't pray from this pulpit for anything if you don't believe he's still working. We're wasting our breath and our time and our words. I'm assuming when you stand up here and you pray for the sick, you believe you have a God who can do it. 
If not, then quit the, quit the fallacy and the fake. He's still running the universe. He's still sustaining creation. He's still making the rain fall. And it's enough, God, it's enough. I hope the weatherman tomorrow gives us some sun. Where's the weatherman for tomorrow? Where is he? He's out there. He sends the rays of the sun on the earth. He's still answering prayer, and he's still interceding for all the people. Our God is an awesome God who's given this amazing story that is true every word. It really happened, and it happened by the sovereign power of a creator God who's still present today, and he's still listening to us right now, and he's in our lives every moment. Do you believe that? Always has been, always will be. And I want you to get this line because this is carefully crafted. May this truth always plague us. That's brilliant. I don't care who you are. Get it, plagues? Forget it. It's wasted on you people. It's Sunday night. This is the God we serve. If this is, the, if this is not the God that you bow your, name, your, your knee to and through his son, say his son's name in order to get to him. This is the God we serve. And if you've never done that, you've never bowed before this, I want you to know everything he's done in Scripture and in your life is for one purpose, to get you to bow your knee just like he was trying to get Pharaoh to bow his. And Pharaoh never did, but you can and you must. If you've done it, Tonight's another time to say Jesus is Lord and God is sovereign and that's why you're here. If you've never done it, this is another chance. But if you don't do it now, you will do it in the end. You will. It just won't benefit you any. If you need to bow your knee, now's the time to do it as we stand and sing to encourage you. Just as